This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. Uh, today, I'm actually going to walk through some strategies going into the new year. Um, we are in December of 2022, moving into 2023. But I'm actually going to start off with a quick story, that a recent event. My kid had to go through because he chipped uh, a bone in his hand. And, uh, you know, how I navigate some of the process because it went extremely fast. And um, I think we're still in the middle of some things. But and then we'll walk through some of the strategies that employers go through and what works, what doesn't work, and then maybe some ideas to help control some costs going into 2023. Some of this is uh, uh, probably similar to some other podcasts, but I got some new information in here that uh, might help some employers make some good decisions. I mean, we are in December, and you should be in the middle of your open enrollment, if not done already. But for sure, maybe some ideas that you could already implement with your current plan and uh, run with it and help your employees save some money. Uh, and maybe even you as the employer, owner, or uh, operations, CFO, whatever it might be. But we'll, we'll get all uh, to all that. But so one of my kids uh, hurt their hand cross training with hockey. And uh, we weren't sure what was going on. But uh, after a few days, the pain subsided. But and we, we still had them take care of it. In the meantime, we did end up getting into an orthopedic and it kind of just went fast. Uh, the pediatric orthopedic said, hey, it's too hand related. We're going to send you over here. And they actually made phone calls at the front desk. And uh, uh, we were there within 20 minutes um, and they fit us in between patients. And uh, and I guess there is something about the way recovery goes with bones um, that in certain situations, such as joints, that Within two weeks, it starts healing itself, and if um, it's not in the right position or whatnot, then there's going to be issues. So that day, we scheduled uh, surgery because they had to move the chip back in place. Otherwise, he was going to have some issues um, as he grew, and then you know, within ten years, maybe some arthritis issues. And so, you know, throughout the process, it went so fast, and the average person, you know, and would have been overwhelmed. I'm not, uh, and I would admit that it, there was some sense of being overwhelmed because it moves so fast but you know as an advisor you know I kind of have hindsight on a lot of things and obviously I could bring that to the table and maybe and some of you may not but you just have to ask questions along the way Um, I knew things were gonna uh, dive deep so I wasn't concerned about little things I wasn't concerned about little logistics Um, as long as uh, one peer medical peer professional you know was recommending another and they were inside the network, um, then we were fine. They were only concerned about my insurance, which I think is interesting. So from my point of view, I think uh, it's interesting. The first thing they ask is what insurance is basically saying, how much money you have in the bank. And uh, so it's all about cash. Uh, And that's a whole nother podcast that we've talked about. And we could probably do several podcasts on how the money flows through the healthcare system and where, you know, it's all driven off of cash. And so, but anyhow, um, they were more concerned. Now, luckily for me, uh, for the providers we went to doing quick uh, lookups uh, along the way, all the providers were actually in the network. Um, well, we're fortunate enough to have a program where it's hybrid, where I could bounce between a small PPO and a large PPO network, and many small employers and our clients have this, and you have access to it um, too as a, 
uh, medium size or a large group, but uh, uh, everybody ended up being in the small network. So I know there's a lot of people out there criticize they want that large network. I tell you, you know, something has moved so fast um, and recommendation by other peers, um, everybody was in the small PPO network, didn't even have an issue. So our costs are going to be much lower. You just ask enough questions to kind of stay educated along the way. You're not going to be a hand specialist. You're not going to be a bone expert. You're not going to be anything. You just ask enough questions so you can kind of have an idea of what's going on. I encourage that all the time, ask the questions, because because you don't want to go into a blind. Uh, we have too much trust in doctors, um, and so they people don't ask questions. But I, I really think you need to ask questions because that could change some of the outcomes based on, one, your personal values, also uh, costs. You could let them know cost is a concern, and maybe there's a different avenue. But in this case, everything was fine. We just kind of moved fast, and the schedule ended up being re, um, rescheduled um, to a different day. And then um, uh, the surgery went fine. It went a little longer. The recovery was a little longer in the recovery room. But he's good to go now. But um, just to walk through that kind of story where um, it happens to all of us, including advisors, um, even though I know how to navigate the system, we're not immune to accidents, injuries, or sicknesses. And then um, it kind of went fast, but you just kind of ask questions along the way and, and make sure things are good. We even had a choice of hospital, so uh, because I asked enough questions, but uh, we end up uh, siding with the hospital that the the surgeon, the hand specialist guy, operates more often at, and because it worked with insurance, I was comfortable with it as an advisor uh, myself, and I was comfortable with it as a dad. And more, I'll give you more updates as those claims come through. Because of the way it went, nobody asked for money up front. Nobody, nobody asked for anything. The insurance card was my pass. And so um, as claims come through, um, I'll keep you posted on all that. As we went through the open enrollment, and I'm sure many of you listening to this podcast um, already did, that uh, a big strategy for most brokers uh, giving advice to their employers or employers because employers are taught how to purchase and manhandle uh, renewals when it comes to benefit programs by the broker or insurance agent advisor. A lot of things come into play, and we'll get to that. Um, but I want to bring up a quick study from SHRM, uh, which is um, human resources certification. And um, they have resources for HR professionals throughout the entire industry that say uh, 40% of employees say that benefits, health benefits, were the deciding factor for the job. And so as we're doing our renewal and trying to figure out what we're actually trying to do, the only way we're going to lower costs in most cases in traditional format is that we raise our deductible and raise our out-of-pocket expenses to the employees to lower cost. And so 46% of the employees decide on a health plan for the job, then why are we skimping out or doing a weak strategy that may have worked in the 80s, but we're still doing it and it's going into 2023? Things have changed. So um, there was also a a study that was done by the Transparent Health Benefit Group, uh, Lester uh, Morales was uh, uh, leads that that group, and they did a LinkedIn study that said that advisors that surveyed seventy eight percent of them um, claimed that their employer clients um, use out of pocket expenses as their number one strategy to cut costs, and that's why I'm bringing this up because there's other ways to cut costs uh, for the employees at least. Um, if there are even just baby steps, you could at least start moving in the right direction and potentially move to a plan that allows you to a lot more customization and cost control. But what ends up happening is the higher exposure with the out-of-pocket. So you employers that are trying to pass on is your number one strategy to cut costs. 
It's pass on more costs to your employees. It makes them feel that they're less insured or underinsured or not insured at all, so they avoid health care. And so if 46% of employees are picking it, their job based on benefits, but at the same time, you're saying, well, we offer the benefits, but basically screw you because we're going to pass on more costs, which limits their exposure to health care and getting access to what they need. So therefore, eventually, at some point, they're going to give that strategy up um, and go work for somebody else. And so you have to be aware of this uh, if you weren't already, and you have to change the game. And I'm going to give you some ideas here of how to change that game. So most employers opt for the normal carriers. Um, us in the industry that we call them the BUCAs, so you got the Blue Cross, United Healthcare, Cigna, Aetna, and Humana. Those are the most common. They dominate the, as far as the population pool. Uh, they're the ones that capture most of it. But the, the problem is they know that, so they game the system. The programs work to their strategies, not yours. So how in the world are you going to go against the system to help control costs and provide better benefits to your employees when the systems already gamified, so to speak, by the major players in the marketplace and uh, give you no tools to actually um, pull levers to make things work better for your company. And so maybe, uh, you know, there's too much loyalty. Some people just want that 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 blue logo in their wallet and they just feel warm and cos- uh, cozy with it. And that's okay. But the, the issue is, is they give you less control, and, and, and in some cases, when you get the larger group, um, like uh, they call ASO models, um, and so they give you a little bit more flexibility, but they still, they still hold the, um, the, the pawn, so to speak, so they're, they're in control. Sooner than you move away from these carriers, you could have a lot more strategy. Some people are concerned about giving up doctors and providers. It's all a myth. You have access to the same doctors. In fact, sometimes you can get access to more uh, because it's still a contracted network. It's not an open access. Just because you have a PPO doesn't mean you can go anywhere you want. There is a contract network. And so you just haven't experienced the limitations of them. And thankfully, you haven't. But in order to gain more control, you're going to have to move away from them at some point, especially employers that are 50 and under um, because they're all fixed rates. They're all based on age. The sooner you get out of ACA rates, the better. And some of the smaller employers under 10 employees enrolled, they're going to have some issues, especially under five. But five to 10, you could start moving in that direction. But it, you really don't see the benefit until you're over 10 employees. Uh, for those that are 50 and more, or even 100 and more, if you're still on a fully insured platform, um, you're not you're not getting the right advice. You're not doing comparing it. A lot of brokers are scared. There's a little bit more risk, but you're in business for a reason, and there's a lot of risk that comes involved with that. And hiring employees is a risk um, because you're you're betting, hedging your bet that they're going to be successful, and they may not be. Um, as well as product lines, so you're hedging your bet that things are going to be successful. So there's always a risk. It's just somehow we get comfortable and complacent when it comes to health insurance, and all of a sudden you don't want to do anything. Everything else you'll move, but all of a sudden health insurance, you just get this um, paralysis analysis or whatever they call it, where all of a sudden you don't know what to do. So here I'm going to walk you through a few ideas that you could implement even going in 2023, even if you've already made some decisions. And then because I was pulling some of the data I stated previously from the Transparency uh, Benefit Group, um, Lester uh, Morales, um, some of these ideas came from him. So I want to give him credit on some of these. He didn't create these. The, he formatted it to help his clients. So I'm just kind of using some of his ideas, but I wanted to mention him. 
So one is definitely the sooner you get out of ACA rates on the smaller group under 50 employees, um, there's no cost control. There's no data. You have zero leverage on everything that's there. Maybe at some point you could switch from age rate to composite. It's still an age rated platform. So all they do is figure out what the average age is, and then that's what you get charged. It's still based on a principle that they could hide the cost and expenses. You could be super profitable for the insurance company and you would never know. And so getting access to those, it's line item expenses and, and you don't have that. And CFOs do your work, right? Because you need to have access to this information. You do it for what, everything else in the company, uh, whether it's your product line, your employee staff, office supplies, everything, you line item everything. If something's costing too much, you either ditch it or move it. And so why wouldn't you do that with healthcare? Again, you, everybody will do this for every area of the business except for healthcare. You just kind of get just lay over and play dead. And I'm telling you, you can't do that anymore. It's going to cost you a fortune. If you own a business, Elite Benefits of America wants to remind you that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a health care plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. The quicker we can move to underwritten plans, yeah, there's some risk in there, but um, again, the leverage is definitely over 10 employees. The larger you are, you have more leverage. Get out of the ACA plans or um, the uh, fully insured market because it's not helping you. Uh, but you could get data you could actually use. You could expense reports. Now, you're not going to get them by line item by employee, but you're going to get it by categories. It gives you flexibility on plan designs. So you could actually create financial disincentives to actually not doing certain things such as run to the ER. You could have a high copay on it. Uh, but if something's important to you, such as having access to an emergency room without um, cost, you could customize that. Of course, you're going to pay more in premium, but you could design it more. There's a lot more flexibility. I don't know why people, uh, employers, HR, CFOs, owners that, uh, especially 100 plus, why, why you wouldn't go down this road. Um, there's a lot of fear, and I tell you, um, there's fear in business. So um, it's a calculated risk. You walk through it, you make some educated decisions, ask enough questions, and, and keep moving. Uh, it's going to be the similar or same network, and in fact, in some cases, you could eliminate the network altogether. Your employees could go anywhere they want, anywhere. Uh, there is no contract to negotiated contract anywhere. And so you can uh, have your employees go there without risk of balance billing or um, any other risk of being denied access to care. Um, and you're, you may first block and say, well, there's balance billing issues. There might be, but a lot of plans have already covered that in the last 10 years. And so that just tells me you haven't done enough research to find out that it hasn't really been occurring that people think it's a, it's another myth, misconception. Can it happen? Sure, in some cases, but there's programs in place that 
they find out that the provider's overbilling anyway. So um, the health plan ends up picking up the balance because they renegotiate the, the bill anyways, as long as you have the programs um, put in place. You could certainly raise the deductible to lower costs, but when you do that, you have to, I'm telling you, in order to help increase value of your employees, you, when you do that, you have to pay for a benefit to offset it. And so uh, one thing, these two programs I'm going to talk about are fairly inexpensive, especially if you're lowering the cost by raising the deductible. One is make sure a virtual um, virtual visit program is in place. Some people call it teledoc. You can do it with the health carrier, but again, uh, usually those are fully insured. Um, so if you move to a self-funded platform um, or the underwritten is what I referred to, then um, you're going to probably have to implement your own. One, I'm just going to highlight, there's a program out there through a company called Fresh Bennies. They're good for small, medium-sized companies, including large companies. And they offer the virtual visit and they offer some um, employee assistance programs for mental health. But it's it's affordable option to get. It's easy. They, they have less restrictions compared to other ones that I know they'll even go down to just the few employees enrolled in the program. And so it gives you a lot more flexibility. A lot of the other programs, they want 50 or more because they want more meat on the bone. But they just they're very flexible. They're a good, a good outfit to work with. Um, and then. You got direct primary care. This is a concept that's been around for a little while. The employer pays a stipend or some type of per employee benefit monthly or annually towards a program that's already put together. It could be locally. Uh, there's doctors that are doing this that you can choose to do that. And then there's other ones where you would contract to an existing facility that employees have to drive through. And if you're big enough, um, and we can help assist with the process where some of them will actually build a clinic right next to your um, your office or your building, your manufacturer, your plant, whatever it might be. That way your employees can get access to healthcare and you can have unlimited visits um, and it doesn't cost your employees any money. There's no copay, no co-insurance co requirements, deductibles, uh, and you can go as much as you want. You just pay, the employer is paying a stipend to get access to it. I tell you, it's a win-win all the way around. The provider feels great because they're getting a stipend um, to have um, be available or have a physician available for all the employees. Um, and not everybody's going to go all the time. And so but the employee wins because they're not paying anything out of pocket when they go. If they are not even sure if their kid's sick, they could at least go get it checked out and not have to worry about financial means of having to pay or what it's going to cost. And then a lot of them will actually help with direction of care. And so if you have treatment for something coming up or you get diagnosed with something or you have an injury that you need follow up with, uh, they'll actually help consult with you along the way to make sure that any specialist you go to is providing enough information, maybe the right information, maybe the, just to make sure that the physician is comfortable with it. Not saying that you have to take their advice, but they're going to assist with uh, the process. And I think that's fantastic for employees uh, which also brings up another point on larger employers, you can implement a medical management company and they'll help um, manage the claim as well. And there's nurses you could talk to and make sure things are headed in the right direction. Rx programs or prescription drug programs, a lot of times with the uh, self-funded groups, you could actually carve out the pharmacy in there. But there's some programs that require their own vendor and that's okay for uh, to get started. And But we just you just don't have access to all the data. Sometimes they're provided. Um, and then some brokers out there, they'll implement pharmacy benefit managers, um, either just lack of knowledge or they do know. And then there's kickbacks. It goes to the broker or the carrier. 
So the broker may actually be paying, you know, collecting more money or commissions that don't have to show up on a disclosure, on a, on a traditional disclosure. Ever since last year, though, if we make more than $1,000 in commissions off of an uh, uh, employer account, or any account for that matter, we have to disclose that in writing to the um, those who are purchased in the health plan. And so uh, they're supposed to disclose this, um, but it's unethical anyways. Uh, you could find one that actually passes on the savings or give the employees the rebate if there's any rebates available. The fully insured health insurance, you know, the big blues and whatnot, um, if there's rebates, uh, a lot of times they'll figure out a way that the rebates go back to the insurance company. So you have a, a five or six tier program. You go and you pay your copay. If there's a manufacturer rebate, uh, there's a high chance that it's going back to the carrier, not you. Um, and so that's to me, I think is unethical. I know they changed some regulations on how they're managing that, but I tell you, um, they're still gamifying the system, um, the work to their benefit, not yours uh, as the policyholder. Another program is uh, GoodRx. There, um, there is a membership for it in some cases. Most people don't have to pay them a membership. Uh, we have many employees and, and clients that say that they use the GoodRx card over their medical insurance because it's uh, lower cost. It's a fantastic program. You don't have to use it all the time. You can use GoodRx for the ones that save money and then use your insurance for the other ones. It's all about the mighty dollar in your pocket, especially with inflation going on now. Uh, make sure that you're doing the homework and finding out if GoodRx is going to work for you. Um, there's other programs out there too. GoodRx has just um, grown dramatically in the last um, 10 years or so. And then uh, you might want to shop locations too. Um, Walgreens may not be the best pricing for drugs. Um, and a lot of times they're not. Walgreens customer is really the insurance company, not the patient or the you know, person on the other side of the counter. So be aware of that. Uh, and I'm not, I guess I'm trying to throw them under the bus. I'm not a big fan of them because they, uh, if there's a better deal or offering, they won't provide it to you if, the, if you have certain insurance. And then now, since the Affordable Care Act, at least, that I'm aware of that they have a database. Once they type in your information, it pulls if there's insurance information. And so they just refuse to switch it over. Most other pharmacies don't care. Uh, in fact, most of them are willing to provide you the best deal, whatever it might be. And that's what it ends up being at the end of the day is, well, what about you and your prescription drugs and what's going to make it easier? Um, the other thing you, employers could do is bring other ideas to the table for the employees. And when I say by ideas, they could be concepts or ways to save money. So like one is, and I preach about this all the time, you don't need to go to a teaching hospital for most things. The quality of care is virtually the same at most hospitals for most things. Um, you don't need, I, I had one that they were so thankful they went to a teaching hospital for stitches when they hit their head. I'm telling you, many other physicians are highly qualified to do stitches. So many times when you look at hospital systems, but um, in if you had a procedure that's done or needs to be done, there's a facility room that you're basically going to be paying rent to. They're not eating that cost. It's going to show up on an invoice somewhere, and it's going to be billed to your insurance and then ultimately you at some point, whether it's indirect through premiums or out-of-pocket expenses. And then the doctor is either employed or contracted out. You Sometimes you, they're wearing the, uh, the coat with the name on there, but it doesn't mean that they're actually an employee of that organization. It could be contracted out. A lot of times you won't know until the billing shows up, and I think that's fraud, but that's 
from the world of Butch Zemar, but they do it all the time. And in fact, now they get sneaky. So when my kid had their procedure at the hospital, we had to sign a document that said basically that, hey, just so you know, there's certain doctors that you may be seeing may or may not be in part of your health plan. And so you're going to sign this saying that you're going to be responsible no matter what. I think that should be illegal. Um, but their way out is, well, you signed it, right? Well, if I don't sign it, I can't get access to care. And so I think that that's a strong arm technique that should be somehow taken up in court, but we'll have to get an attorney on here and get his own opinion on it. But, um, just because they're a, a teaching hospital, the same rules apply with most other facilities. There are exceptions in some cases that, I mean, you could be, have a biased law based on past experience for you or others. And so, you may have a relative that had a procedure done and, and had fantastic outcomes, so you want to go to the same facility, and that's fair. So in other cases, um, I think teaching hospitals could be warranted. So if you're, you're still an athlete or um, you perform in a certain capacity, so if your job is related to your hands or your feet or, or your 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 hobby is, and then maybe you have to do some more research and go there. But those are exceptions. I would not say that's a rule. There's a good chance that if your kid's in high school or college and he gets hurt, um, they're probably not going to go back to the sport they were playing full-time. If they do, they're lucky. I'm just saying that I think it's over. There's a, a guy downtown Chicago that he's in the insurance industry, but he shared a story with me one time. He played at Northwestern uh, football. So he's in a senior year, and he was telling me that I guess there's this preliminary draft list, and his name's on it. And so they have to make it through the season to get finalized. And he uh, got injured, broke a bone, uh, and that's it. He's automatically taken off the list. And so he's a, still an athlete. He's still, he plays basketball, and he does other things as an adult. But he'll never go back to competitive sport at that level. And so... Um, I'm not downplaying it. I'm just saying that, hey, there, there may be a chance that it just may not work, but you could get the access to the higher qual- uh, quality help if that ends up being the case. The same thing with cancer and other related issues where sometimes the teaching hospitals are fit because the, teach, the, the physicians may have access to research data that other hospitals may not, and that's helpful. But again, those are rare situations. You don't need to go to a teaching hospital for most things. The other thing with employees is... We have to tell them emergency room visit is not a doctor visit stay. Stay away from the emergency room if you could. Um, and then there's a statement I usually try to make and said, and I tell this to my family members, I'm not here. I'm not here to tell you you can't go. Um, no matter if you're a family member or you're not or your client or just somebody listening to this podcast, I always say if you had no choice, if you had no choice um, to get access to the care and you had to wait 24 hours, is it, would that be possible? And, and, and just at, challenge yourself. If I had to suffer through this over the night for 24 hours because I couldn't get access to care, is that doable? And if the answer is like, well, if I had to, then it's not, a, it's not an emergency. I'm telling you, it's not. Uh, in fact, in some cases, if you're traveling and this occurred, it'll be billed as a non-emergency. And in a lot of cases, if you're on a smaller PPO network or you went to a facility not in your plan, um, especially if it's PPO, uh, in some cases HMO, you're going to be billed out of network anyways. It has to be a life-threatening emergency if they're not part of the network. And so 
Um, again, but if you ask yourself, uh, hey, can I wait 24 hours? And if you can't, then obviously I, I'm, then obviously, take care of your health. But I'm not saying not to go. I'm just saying you need to challenge yourself a little bit more. I remember doing this to my wife years ago. Um, it was she delivered our first child, and three or four weeks later, she was going through some pain. She woke up in the middle of the night. She couldn't stand it. And so um, it was the middle of the night, and I asked her if she could wait, you know, four or five hours so we can just go to a doctor's office. I was like, just consider it. And then she came back, you know, three or four minutes later, and she said, no, I don't think I can. I could do it. And so I said, fine, let's go. Like, there's no questions asked at that point, right? I just asked one question. We went there, and they treated her. She was not admitted, um, but they did give her some pain medication to help with the pain and then being gallstones. But she had no idea what was going on, so she was scared at the same time. And I don't fault her for that uh, at all. But I'm just saying just challenge because if it could be weighted, it'll, it'll cost less money not only to you, your employees, and the health plan. I know some people have given the thought and shared with me that um, the reason that you go to the ER is if the situations were bad enough, they'll just automatically admit you. And then, so according, not that, you know, some people have some lack of trust in the CDC these days uh, due to COVID, but the CDC says that only 12.4% of ER visits are actually admitted to the hospital. And so you're hedging your bet on 12%. So there's a high chance, obviously, that you're not going to be admitted to the hospital. And, but to kind of share a story with you, um, I had chest pain. This is years ago. And I kept getting chest pain throughout the entire day. And there were sharp pains. And so to the point where it's it was alarming and it was completely noticeable when it occurred. And it would be sporadic throughout the day. And so I said, you know what, I, I think I need to get this checked out because it's, it's not going away and it is a sharp pain when it actually occurs and it's right in the center of my chest. I went to the urgent care because I knew a little bit better about the system. And so when I showed up and I talked to the physician that I told, I joked that my wife was arguing I should go to the ER and he, he his bedside manner came in and said, don't you worry, we're going to hook you right up. And if we see anything wrong, we'll put you in the back of an ambulance faster than fast to get you over there. So don't you worry. So urgent care will for sure uh, take you by ambulance, which is a faster way to get into the hospital anyways uh, than walking into the emergency room. But um, sure, you have an ambulance bill then, but obviously then you know it's pretty serious and the cost of the ambulance is not a big deal because you're just going to go ahead and say, I need to get this taken care of. But if you end up finding out that the urgent care was able to address the needs, like in my case, they hooked up an EKG, they did some other tests, uh, I think they pulled some blood work, um, they had rapid responses on and and uh, everything checked out okay. They just said, it's probably stress, uh, just take a day off of work or something and uh, take it easy. And, and it did go away the next day. So I don't, you know, who knows what it was. And I always joke that if we only had a dashboard, like our car, if we knew exactly what was going on, we probably could solve half the problems, um, health-wise, but we don't. So we need to arm ourselves with tools and resources to control costs and get access to the quality care that we need.